0: Ooh, here we are. It is uh, 1 o'clock, 6-1-2022, 1300 for you military types. Uh, RSA is next week. Um, as you can tell from the look, uh, I need a haircut, obviously, so I got to get one of those. Um, definitely need a beard trim because it's getting a little Yosemite Sam, but hey, looking forward to getting out there and seeing what's going on for the first time in two plus years uh whether or not monkeypox pox turns us all into planet of the apes or whatever i guess remains to be seen um, but we'll see now uh, i always like to start these things off with uh, i guess you'd call it a short a short demonstration on um what stuff is out there and available and i don't put the uh particular information from an organization on the screen, because that's, uh, problematic, but, um, let's just go and look at something that I thought was particularly interesting, um, that showed up over the course of the last few days. Now, uh, again, I'm a huge fan of Shoden. I like dorking and those types of things because I think they're, um, great ways to find open source, and then you work your way forward from open source. So uh, there's a lot of people that talk about hospitals and healthcare systems, and there's all these compliance requirements and controls around hospitals. You would think that that's a pretty secured organization with a lot of um, controls in place that wouldn't be overt or available to the internet. So looking through Shodan with a couple of crafted queries again you got to know how to do this stuff and thank you again justice department for changing the uh the laws here because what i'm doing is not illegal wasn't necessarily illegal before but now it's definitely not illegal hospital systems so hospital systems in the united states crafted query um stuff that would be of interest right now right off the bat first thing i see is a hospital system uh and i'm going to contact these folks uh but it looks like yes this is access to a database inside of a hospital system um, that you could get to and let's just go figure out so this is an urgent care clinic system it's in Kentucky uh, and it looks like they have a whole bunch of little clinics and this is one of those things where they treat patients for chronic disease including cancer um, this is database information I'm looking at it right now this second Here's another one. Uh, Let's see, this one, database information without authentication on the login, um, opened, exposed. And uh, UCSF, uh, I believe that's University of Central Florida if I remember correct. Let's just go double check there because that's worth looking at. Uh, leading academic medical centers connecting world-class research. Oh, UC San Francisco. Sorry, Southern Florida. My bad. Um, Yeah, ucsf.edu. Available. I can get to it right here, right now. Now, just for, I don't know, the last sort of dagger in this argument here. Let's see what we could do that's got remote desktop protocol enabled that is healthcare system in the United States without authentication. And I could get to it. Um, right now, this one's in Wayne, Indiana, uh, the operating system is Windows 10. Um, however, it's nice that they do put that to, to authenticate, they tell me what the HIPAA security policy is. (laughs) That's, that's comical. Um, I see the BIOS, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, domain controller, which is nice. Um, here's another one. Uh, where they have a login notice. So they tell you that they're gonna look at what you're doing. Um, And this one is in Philadelphia, Hospital System, Windows 7, uh, Server 2008. Hospital System, Windows 7, Server 2008. And one more, just because why not? Uh, Okay, I'm in Northern Virginia area. Um, This is Northern Virginia area, Reston to be exact. Uh, and I see that this is windows 10, 2004 on a server. That's the last time it was updated and patched. Uh, and it's a training system for the hospital. Um, however, it looks like someone has got a login from a, uh, administrator account going on there. Um, hospital, hospital administrator. Wow okay anyway so like i say i always like to start these things out with there's the stuff that's going on um you know hospital systems Uh, they they have a a hipaa notice that it says that this is a protected system but if you know what you're doing and know which way to poke and get around that stuff in the right query to run you do enough research you'll find something now I'm not doing anything illegal. And I will notify all these organizations that this is a problem. I'll probably get more cease and desist letters. That's okay. I don't care. But point being, if you're working in a regulated environment where you have compliance requirements, whatever else, don't think because you've achieved the compliance requirement that you're good. Like Ala Valente, who's awesome at Forrester says, that's the floor. Don't shoot for the floor, shoot for the ceiling. Um, honestly those things right there every single one of them that i just found which was in the hundreds i think i saw 987 of them in the united states with that particular port, with that particular configuration available nearly a thousand of them that invalidates their compliance position right now so what good is achieving that compliance initiative and saying that that's the good side of it do better uh now this is also of value um If you're not familiar with this and I will show this because I think that this is pretty cool as long as I can find, um, the stuff that you would be interested in, um, there's a lot of talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning and open source research. And I think I've read some articles about how in the Ukraine war right now, there's, um, people going around taking pictures of dead soldiers and figuring out who their families are and notifying them in Russia because of, you know, they died in Ukraine. Now there's privacy implications there. Like there's a, there's a thing that you would definitely be concerned about, about privacy side of it. However, my question was how good are these, uh, open source, um, or affordable if you're going to buy it systems right there so that you could run these types of queries and find something of value on an individual. So I did it on myself, which was actually pretty shocking. So let me show what I actually dealt with here. And for the podcast side of this, I'll describe what's going on. Um, share my screen. Uh, let's make sure that this works. And hopefully we're going to go down the rabbit hole. There we go. We're down the rabbit hole now. All right. So here's what I did was I went to PIMEyes. If you're not familiar with PIMEyes, dot com, go check this out. And basically what this is, is it's a big open source well, it's not free, but there, there's a free query that you can run where you can go look for information based on an image. And this is a personal image, right? So what I did was I took my image, um, that's me pointing at the camera that I use for all kinds of stuff, and I threw it up on there. And I wanted to see what all pictures it could find of me without any other information, without any anything else. So literally all it's doing is going and running that query on my picture, my misshapen head. And so it got 235 results in about two seconds. And the, the crazy thing was I was like, okay, there's a lot of publicly available information out there, big deal, whatever. But some of the stuff that it found is pretty old and is crazy that it found it the places that it found it. So like right here in the middle, there's a picture of me when I was at Firehost, which that was, a long time ago. That was six, eight years ago. I haven't updated or changed that image. I, I, I forgot that image was even there. There's images from YouTube. There's images from speeches. Um, there's images from the book stuff. There's uh, images from other websites. Um, but it really pulled a whole bunch of great, great information back. And it did it all without me training it or having it look for anything that I kind of tweak the system. It even found pictures of me, which I thought this might throw a, throw the system off with glasses on and a hat, because you would typically think, okay, if I'm doing it where I'm looking at an individual, what happens if they're kind of covering up their characteristics, glasses, hats, those types of things. It found those images too. So if you're, uh, a matter of fact, it also found an image from me back in 2000 and, uh, I think 12, so like a decade ago, um, which damn that feel old, but yeah, like, like there's there's the image from forever ago, um, at a at a thing that was on meetup. So it's pulling all this stuff back together. But the point is, nobody's you're not training the system. Like, this is how good these types of facial recognition systems are getting. And the fact that this is available is even crazier. Now, I haven't done any of this deep search stuff. Um, I don't, you know, you click on that and it tells you what you've got to pay for things. But when you ask for deep search, right, uh, manage your results, uh, one month access, 25 searches, websites and images, alerts, um, and then you can get further information. So, you know, uh, this is I think it's twenty five dollars if you wanted to run a pretty crafted search. Now, if you took this information and imagine you ran into an executive or imagine you uh chatted with someone at a a bar or something like that Uh, i can tell you from working in the intelligence community when you were trying to get this type of information you would have killed for it now you can do this on open source on the regular internet pretty scary when you really kind of wrap your head around the implications of this type of stuff Uh, and this is the things that we're able to get access to imagine what's going on behind the scenes so, like I said, P I M is P-I-M-E-Y-E-S. I'm not sure where the PIM came in, but go look it up. Go run some queries on yourself. I'm going to run it on myself. I'm going to run it on my kids um, just because I want to see what started information is floating around out there. I'm actually, like, terrified to run it and see what float, floats around for my kids, but we'll deal with that when we get to it. So, check that out if you get a chance. Uh, all right. There was a big... Um, Publication on Felina, Um, Kevin Beaumont published a really good rundown on it on his uh, double Pulsar, a Microsoft Code Execution Vulnerability. Two days ago, May 27, 2022, uh, odd-looking Word document in the wild, uh, uploaded from an IP address in Belarus, so already suspicious, right? It's a zero-day vulnerability in Office or Windows, which if you haven't seen the demo videos of this thing, you should definitely go look it up. caught his attention as Defender for endpoint missed execution. Now here's what stuck out to me was this is a Windows thing. It's invoking macros and doing Windows stuff. Why did it slide by Defender? Um, EDR tooling gap from initial test, right? Surprises, Word didn't block this. Uh, The document uses the Word remote template feature to retrieve an HTML file, why? in 97 ish percent of stuff that's going on in word would you allow word to go pull html from a remote web server so there's an immediate thing that you should be focused in on right there like there's a whole bunch of solutions out in the market threat lockers a great one that would be able to eliminate this problem real quickly that should not be possible he says it flat out there the code does this when it's decoded dah, dah, dah. so he this is the rundown this is the value proposition here there's a lot going on here but the first problem is microsoft word is actually the code via msdt a support tool even if macros are disabled protected view does kick in although if you change the document to rtf form it runs without even opening the document right via the preview tab and explorer most importantly blah 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 i gotta give it a logo so what does this mean it's a zero day allowing code execution in office products all office products 0365 office stuff Historically, when there's easy ways to execute code directly from office, people use to do bad things. Yes. This breaks the boundary of having macros disabled. Vendor detection is poor. Right. So there's this has been out there since April 2022. So this is something to know that there's new forms of these types of attacks going on out there. They slide by native antivirus and native uh, security solutions. And you'll get hit. So application isolation, not allowing apps to do things that they shouldn't do, like word shouldn't be downloading or touching HTML or web servers or whatever else. In most instances, this type of thing should be applied. This goes back to the ZT side of things that we've talked about for quite a while. Let's go further on remote bricking of Ukrainian tractors raises agricultural security concerns. Now, Jerry Kennedy, um, on LinkedIn, put an article out, I think it was last week or a week before, talking about, uh, and I, I went in and did some some looking at John Deere tractors that were available on the internet, um, affecting agriculture, right? Modern agriculture depends on internet-connected machinery that is centrally controlled and collects and analyzes massive amounts of data making it inviting target for threat actors. Makes sense. This is by Cynthia Broomfield on May 26th. Uh, against the backdrop of horrific reports from Russia's Ukraine invasion, an encouraging story emerged earliest month when identified Ukraine's remotely disabled tractors worth five million that Russian soldiers in the occupied city of Melitopol stole from Agrotech Invest and authorized John Deere dealer. So I guess the Russians in, broke into some John Deere dealership and started using the tractors, which, okay, weird that soldiers are doing farming stuff, but okay. The soldiers stole 27 pieces of farm machinery and shipped them primarily to Chechnya, 700 miles away, only discover they've been rendered inoperable due to a kill switch, which is actually kind of cool. That's kind of James Bondish. Um, the dealership, the one in the Ukraine, tracked the machinery using the tracker's embedded GPS technology. Although the equipment was reported languishing in a farm near Grozny on May 1st, one source of the Russians had found consultants who would try and bypass it. So that's whatever. Um, now, here's the twist. Some observers fear that malicious actors could exploit the same technology in those John Deere tractors and other manufacturers. Like if you're a farm boy like me and you know about um, Kubota, Massey, Ferguson, et cetera, um, to update and monitor farm equipment, if successfully accomplished on a large enough scale, a cyber attack could disrupt significant portions of what become critical agricultural infrastructure. So here's the real world implementation of kind of theoretical talk attacks that people have been talking about where you're targeting, agricultural machines with installed operating systems and remote connectivity to potentially affect a crop or a harvest. And this sounds like, well, big deal. This is a problem. I deal with whatever. Start cutting off the ability to grow food. Start taking away people's food and water and watch what happens to society. I mean, people lose their fucking mind if they lose the Internet for a day. Imagine if you can't get food. We're seeing it to some degree right now with a baby formula situation. Imagine if we can't get food in the United States distributed the way that we do normally because we lost a crop, like uh, at scale. Sounds like it's science fiction, but it's not based on these types of reports. Modern tractors are intelligent machines. Farm equipment, including machines made by industry titan John Deere, evolved in the 80s from old-fashioned analog tractors, combines, or whatever to become modern tractors, right? They have crazy amounts of sensors, torque sensors on the wheels that measure soil density, humidity sensors, soil moisture monitoring, uh, location sensors, plotted density, Da, da, da. Um, What enabled the kill switch in the dealership is something that initially began in the auto industry, which is called a vehicle identification number or VIN locking. So if you've got a car and it's got a VIN, VIN locking enables only authorized technicians to enter special codes to work on the machine's internal network. So you probably have this on your modern car. To some weird degree, uh, Deere's use of VIN locking became infamous when the tractor maker decided to deny farmers access to computer software and machines so they could make repairs. This was a few years ago; I think it was two years ago. The company argued the farmers had no right to access their proprietary code, so John Deere did something kind of dickish and you know locked people out of it. Then there was the right to repair movement. I'm not going go to that right now, but the point is, um, hackable tractors are vulnerable to sabotage. If hackable tractors are vulnerable to sabotage, the food supply is vulnerable to sabotage. This is I, I grew up on a farm. I grew up in a, a farming community. I've seen and worked with the people that have evolved in this space, where, like I said in the podcast or two ago, some of my really good friends back home, they run a, a multi-thousand-acre farm with two or three or four people now that used to have 30, 40, 50 because of these types of systems. If you exploit those systems and you cause degradation to what they're able to do, bad things happen. Last piece on this, right? At least one tractor maker, Agco, was forced to shut down production earliest month when a ransomware attack hit their manufacturing plant. But stealing the data from tractors or even shutting down a tractor's manufacturer plant is a far cry from reaching out to tractors across the nation and shutting them down. Now, could it most just actor hack and disable tractors? Yes. Would this require a lot of concerted coordinated, careful effort. Absolutely. Especially do it at the right time, the right types of tractors on the right types of crops that would cause an actual degradation of the ability to deliver food. However, comma, it's possible. You could do this in sort of a cascading failure thing where there's different crops that grow at different times on different, on different food plots and you continually sort of work your way through that farm to farm to farm and you're causing a really bad day for people in that space. And again, it doesn't take you do not have to get everybody all the time to cause a degradation of delivery so that people are aware that there's a real problem um, or that you wind up not being able to deliver food. I mean, it's not like we have no baby formula in the United States right now. We have baby formula, but there's been the issue with the supply chain and delivery and et cetera, where um, it's it's causing the inability for people to be able to feed their children. All right. So imagine if you do that with soybeans or with corn or something along those lines. Enough tractor stuff. Um, if you've ever wanted an example of how bad the hiring stuff is and that the government really doesn't execute well on anything that they put in place for a whole lot of reasons, here's a great article, fcw.com. Seven years in the making, DHS's Department of Homeland Security's new cyber talent system boasts just one hire. Seven years, new cyber talent system, one person's been hired. This is by Natalie Alms on the fcw.com. Officials of the Department of Homeland Security say that change management efforts will help scale a system uh, for talent management. Seven years. I don't know how you can't figure this shit out in seven years. The Department of Homeland Security has been seven years building a special human resources system to attract and hire cybersecurity specialists. Obviously that failed freaking classically. So far, just one employee has started to work at the department under that new system. Mm, that's very encouraging. DHS, which plays a key role in government cybersecurity landscape, where responding to major cybersecurity incidents, helping create lunch and blah, so DHS, what The first new employee hired through the system onboarded last week. Last week, it's June 2022, right? <laughs> with another expected onboard media, so two people in seven years. Um, overall, the department has made around 15 to 20 selections that need to go through the process with backgrounds, whatever else we expect at this point we would have made more hires and had more folks on board, but nonetheless, DHS is trying to shoot for 150 people. Yeah. Um, the biggest challenge with this new system so far, and this is quoting from the department of Homeland security has been convincing people how awesome it is. What it hired two people in seven years. How awesome is the system? Um, Cybersecurity Talent Management System. They got authority from the government in 2014. Went live in November. Whoo, man. i tell you what, there are things that piss me off as a taxpayer. Um, this is one of them that really drives that even more. Yeah. Wow. Okay, uh, there's an article on CSO, C-S-O online. And the article itself is How Costa Rica Found Itself at War Over Ransomware. Uh, this is by Belisario Contreras, contributing writer, May 30th. Um, Costa Rica failed to implement the cybersecurity preparedness strategy that laid out five years ago and now serves as an example not only to other Latin American nations, but also the world. Now, it's, an, it's a really good article. I would say go read it, dive into it. Um, really good stuff in here. It talks about how they got in this place, the new president coming in, all the bad shit they've been dealing with. And the way that they ran out of the rabbit hole. But I, I was sitting there asking myself, like, there's no way that an organization laid out an actual nation na- national blah blah, blah blah chase, don't be dumb, national security strategy and fucking categorically ignored the whole thing. I was like, that's not even possible. So when I saw that they it said that they had ignored their own particular prescriptive security strategy, I said, Well, maybe I can go find that strategy. And I did. Um, I went and Googled and and did some looking around and found the actual strategy that Costa Rica had tried to put in place all that time ago. Um, here it is, it's, uh, and this is publicly available. Um, uh, the national cybersecurity strategy for Costa Rica. And this is from 2017 it's 2022. So five years ago, it talks about who's involved, talks about who's required, who's participating construction of the strategy, current context, um, impact of what will go wrong. Like this is actually a really solid document for what is kind of a small country to do cybersecurity. talks about people, talks about the rights of humans and privacy, um, coordination, multiple stakeholders, all the stuff. They didn't do any of it. Um, I don't know how that happened. I don't know much about Costa Rica, but man, Talk about a categorical failure of what you're doing and how to go wrong. So I think in the annals of cyberdom, this is a great example of what not to do. Go read this. Go look at it. Understand they that this is not who you want to be. Five years of ignoring the problem, and now they're dealing with it. Uh, this was, uh, of interest to 27, May, 2022 venture capital investors bet big on ZT to reinforce cybersecurity and digital error. So that's not, that's not actually the point, but the, the what I would like to sort of say here, um, RSAs next week, you're going to see lots and lots of organizations that have raised a whole lot of money, right? Raising money does not make you a successful company. Um, I hate to be the one to break it to people. Like that's really good for the VCs. That's really good for the PEs. It's really good for all the tech bros and out there in Silicon Valley with their uh, Patagonia vest and whatever else. But for a real company raising money, in my opinion, just means that you need help it means that you're honestly not executing enough on the sales space so that you can keep up and eat what you kill. Um, there's, you know, if you look at this growth space here, key VC investments a zero trust startups and some of these companies, they call themselves startups. If you got more than a hundred million dollars, you ain't a startup that's just my opinion. However, comma, there's a lot of them in here. Um the biggest ones 300 million, 325, 290, 125, I mean 21, 23, 30. There's there's a lot of money that's crawled through this. I'm going to go through this whole report and actually wrap my head around just how much money's gone in the space for ZT specifically, but here's your your growth and investment side of things. I mean, if you're looking for the the hockey stick in the space. And I I think as I crawl through this, I'll get the the rest of the data to validate this, but cybersecurity continues to be investing. People are continuing to do things in that space. But if you're looking for where the money is being dumped into lately in the last 18 months, two years, it's been in the ZT space specifically. The numbers there are exponentially larger than others. Um, But for the record, my position, since somebody asked me before and since I don't really care about raising money, I personally think if you're a cybersecurity company and you're raising crazy amounts of money, you're fucking up. Um, I think you're doing something wrong and you should be eating what you kill uh, because all that really winds up happening is you devalue the people who you started out with um, blood, sweat and tears in the company in the first place. Cause the only people making money on that waterfall thing are going to be the VCs and PE people. That's just my space. That's just what I think. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but that's just my two cents. And somebody said, can I share the link to the document? Yeah, I'll put the link in the document for sure. Um, I'll put it into the chat. Uh, but, 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 okay. Um, I'm not trying to point out that this company is doing anything wrong, but I just wanted, because I was talking about investment, I wanted to go on this rabbit hole real quickly, right? Right here, cybersecurity startup, Hawks Hunt, who Hawks Hunt, great, good for them. Um, $40 million to teach employees to detect phishing. My question is here's yet another company that's getting a lot of money to do phishing training. Don't we already have a lot of this stuff? And if you look at the dibber, like let's look at the dibber that just came out two weeks ago. What's the number one most prolific avenue of compromise in all of cybersecurity? People clicking, clicking, fishing links. There's two. And I know off the the top of my head, there's two companies out there that are valued over a billion dollars that do similar stuff. Maybe this is the next best thing. Maybe this is the new most amazing mousetrap in the fucking universe or whatever. I don't know. But the point is we keep seeing investment going into stuff that doesn't necessarily fix the problem. Should you train your people? Yes. Can we gamify them? Absolutely great. Gamify it, teach them new things, make them know more stuff. Awesome. But the fact that we continue to see such a growth in these areas where it's these kind of soft skills that aren't technical controls that will get in between the user and the malicious content is not going to fix the problem. Am I saying we shouldn't have people investing money in these folks? No, absolutely. It's amazing. I'm glad for them. Congratulations. Awesome. Super great. However, this doesn't fix compromise. This doesn't stop people from continuing to be comfortable. Statistically speaking, the data for 10 fucking years says 6 to 8% of your organization will continue to click phishing links even the day after phishing training. If you've got 100,000 users, how many people will continue to click phishing links? Does that mean we shouldn't train them? No, but does that mean, in my opinion, maybe not my humble opinion, but my opinion, you shouldn't be getting a $40, $50 million Round to grow stuff in the space that's not going to categorically address the problem? I think so. Uh, and then, lastly, um, because I think that it's time for some accountability in some of these spaces uh, on behalf of guys, ladies, women, um, I would like to apologize to you on behalf of this dickhead who was at Google. Um, who bragged on Twitter about how we used to trash women's resumes in front of them. And he said, go have kids, um, Cheryl, T- or T maybe that's her name, T H published this May 26th, 2022. Um, this, this actually hurt my heart as a father of two girls because I want my girls to grow up in a world where they don't feel like they're getting kicked just because they're not a dude. And this guy's, this, this guy is categorically one of the worst individuals that I've ever seen or run into. So, he won't apologize but i will like that's this is so wrong and so bad a former google tech lead bragged about a use of trash female interviews resumes and now deleted tweets why would this guy delete his tweets because he's a freaking dick and he was getting cheesed up oh and by the way he's got a million subscribers on youtube um so i don't know what that says about the the industry but he deleted them because he's a ch- cheesed up because he doesn't he didn't want to be called out on Why he believes women shouldn't code. Fuck you, pal. I told them go have some kids. Again, double fuck you. Um, I hope you get it by a bus. Don't worry I'm smarter than you. I know he wrote She wrote. So that's this guy. And his information's out there. It's publicly available. Whatever. I'm not scared of him. Whatever. A former Google programmer bragged on Twitter this week, which was last week about how he used to trash resumes uh, of females. Um, in front of them. So all time dick moves. Right. And is now deleted tweets. Again, why would you delete your tweets? Because you're a prick. Patrick Shue recounted how he used to treat women he interviewed, which is foul and fucked up on a whole lot of levels. When I used to conduct interviews for Google, he said, I rejected all women on the spot and trashed their resumes in front of them. Um, he wrote on May 22nd on a post seen by Insider. I told him, go have some kids. Don't worry. I'm smarter than you. There it is. There's the tweet right there then I gave him an MP hard problem and went home. Um, yeah, he was a tech lead. He's on the YouTube app. Like I said, he's got a million followers or subscribers, or whatever you want the hell to call on YouTube, but, um, he didn't switch and worked at Facebook, uh, Facebook video. And he's got a YouTube channel, controversial takes about his spillball. Uh, multiple posts, attempting to explain his stance. He suggested women shouldn't code instead should work as influencers or creators, careers that would lean in a natural string, like turd um duh, 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 duh. yeah um last thing i'll say is co- he said coding is a brutal 24 7 job i know a whole bunch of coders that don't work 24 7 and it's not that brutal i mean it's there's requirements but it's not so brutal mutually exclusive with motherhood what what does that have to do with anything um yeah she said noting that mothers will come back obsolete now dated after maternity leave no they won't um you know, so, yeah. Uh, lastly here, he said, no one asked for women programmers. We asked for women influencers and they got independent women in pantsuits. Independence does not exist if you want a family. One should prioritize being a good mother and wife, not a coding machine. Mother wife is a great job, he tweeted. Um, yeah, so anyway, like if you're looking for somebody that you could hit with your car or would, you know, just j- jack slap, feel free to look for this guy because he needs it. Um, obviously, this is a dude that doesn't understand the value that people bring to the workforce, um, thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And, uh, you know, he says um, he's lashing out at people saying, can you get into Google like I did? Who the fuck cares? Like, um, so, yeah, as a guy, as a as a man, um, I apologize for this individual's behavior to all the women that he, hurt or you know caused uh, to, to not get a fair crack at things. This is the type of behavior that is um, unacceptable. Um, one of the types of behavior that's unacceptable. I hope that this guy gets what's coming to him because he totally deserves it. Anyway, uh, I'll get off my high horse now, but Jesus Christ, man. Um, like I said, I'm a father of two girls. Like there's, if this dude said something like that to one of my girls, it would be a bad day for him. Anyway, Um, actually if you said it to anyone that I know it's yeah, it would be a bad day for him cuz people are awesome like uh, and I'm not a people person, but fuck this guy. Anyway. Uh yeah, I'll see you hopefully at RSA next week. Um hopefully you get something useful out of this. Uh crazy stuff's going to happen. Monkeypox might turn us all into planet of the apes. I don't know. I'm not joking. I mean, uh, who knows what the hell's going on anymore? Anyway, uh, above all, stay smart, stay safe, stay secure. Catch you on the next one.